It started with a love for doodling and interest in art from a young age. Like any compelling narrative, Andrea Diaz Vaughn's life unfolded in the context of family journeys and discoveries. Andrea's career fit emerged when she met a classmate in a college photography class who introduced her to the theories of graphic design. From there, her curiosity and strong work ethic, modeled by her parents, helped Andrea build a career as a business owner, creative director, artistic collaborator, and visual marketing strategist. This episode of Future Groove delves into Andrea's story, exploring the emotions, connections, and collaborations that fuel her work. Andrea, welcome to Future Groove. How are you doing today? Good, John. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm well. Thank you for uh, for spending a little time with us and talking about the future of, of work on the Future Groove podcast. And I understand that uh, you play a number of different roles as a graphic designer, a creative art director, storyteller. Tell us a little bit about... Uh, what you do and, and, and the industry that you work in. Absolutely. I think you kind of hit it on the head. I am trained with a college degree in graphic design and have a lot of years experience in the creative industry and world and have performed as a graphic designer, an art director, a creative director, a storyteller, as you said, everything in between. So whenever there's a need, a creative service, I try and fulfill it. And if I can't do it, then I'll bring in someone else who can and and we can collaborate for our clients. So kind of just a creative extension for my clients. That's how I like to look at what I do. We're going to get to your story in just a little bit in terms of how you got into this uh, particular industry. But I think it might be important for our listeners to have you describe the industry itself in terms of uh, graphic arts and, and so forth. What does that what does that look like exactly? Sure. Graphic design is, you know, a lot of people don't um, don't have a full understanding of what it is. A lot of people do, but some people are like, oh, well, what's graphic design? Is it just making things pretty and interesting to look at? And absolutely, it does do that. But it really is helping marry what the the message is. So it marries the visual with the copy. So graphic design is how you present your message. And it really is that part of the storytelling. I like to look at it. So absolutely, we can design things so that aesthetically they're pleasing, right? And they're interesting to look at, like art. But at the end of the day the product or the execution should really help convey this message to a certain audience. And that's really what graphic design is. It's really marrying image plus copy to create the message. And, you know, graphic design doesn't necessarily mean that everything within a composition has to be designed or, or colorful or, you know, a lot of coverage. Maybe the lack of a visual is the graphic design. Something could be very type-based and how that type is presented is graphic design, right? So it's really the thought behind how we, we present visually a message. You talked a little bit in a previous conversation that I had with you about purposeful uh, execution and about emotional connection. Can you talk a little bit about those, those two things? 
Absolutely. I feel, you know, as a graphic designer, as an art director in this creative world, it's very important that we connect with our audience, right? Whatever, whoever that audience is for whatever client I'm working with, if that there's a need for that audience to be heard and to be seen. And so we want to talk to them and say, how can we relate? How can whatever we're trying to present to you relate to you? How can it really help your quality of life? Whatever the, the need is, how can we help fulfill it? So graphic design, creative, being creative and presenting a message, branding is really about making that connection with our audience. And we're trying to make an authentic connection. We don't ever want to be inauthentic. So we study who this audience is and hopefully what we're trying to present to them will make a difference. And whether it's, you know, something in their everyday life that they resonate with, they see something, whether it be an outdoor, you know, an outdoor board, an advert, a print ad, or even on social media, it's definitely how can we take the three seconds that we have of your time and make a connection. And so there is a lot of thought that goes behind it. And it's really a study. It's an execution of how you study people and what attracts them and what is meaningful to them and how you can communicate with them. What is the role of, uh, of, of being a storyteller play in that connection? Well, so being a storyteller and connecting to our audience is, is very important, right? You can't, you have to look at yourself as that. I am a storyteller. I'm trying to tell them something. What's the story here? I'm not just choosing an image or a visual because, like I said, it should be aesthetically pleasing. It should it should generate this emotional reaction to them, however little or small. It can be like a very um, you know impactful reaction, or it could just be, hey, that was cool, right? So there's a big range of emotional connection. But when it comes down to storytelling, right, you have to understand what am I trying, what's the story we're trying to tell? Does it make sense? Let's look at it from their point of view. Like we, we want to present something to you and we're not going to just present it for, you know, for us. We're going to tell you this story. We're going to make sure it makes sense to you and it's speaking to you at where you're comfortable at your level of understanding and um, time. So it's really a thought process of, okay, what are we trying to tell? Are we trying to say, you know, so our background, our creative brief on anything, which we write for any project, will really go into detail for like, let's say we're doing a 30 second video or a 30 second commercial. And the brief on it could be like two pages long. It could tell this story of, okay, this is this family and uh, this, this person could be or could not be a single parent, but we're only showing one parent with a child. And we want to show the, the emotional connections because all, I'm all about emotion and the little interactions every day that are special that other parents might, res- it might resonate with other parents. Like, oh, I do that with my kid. Oh, that reminds me of five years ago when we used to, hold hands walking down the street, right? So this is the story that we're trying to say, tell. Like we're trying to present, we might even name this character, but his he, his name will never appear on screen. But we might call him John and he's, you know, this is what he does and he picked up his son and they're on their way home. And 
just the, the visual takes, the cuts between the father and the son or the timing or the editing that, you know, editor, I'm not an, a video editor, but we, I work with amazing video editors, but they just get it. So we write this incredible brief and it's a total story. They will never talk on the spot, right? You might see some words on screen, but it's really kind of the interactions, the presentation, and, the, and, and then the end result that we're hoping as a whole will have conveyed what we originally wanted to without actually saying it, right? We're just showing it. We might throw some, you know, there might be some voiceover, but it has nothing to do with their background story. But how we visually tell that through this 30-second spot is really incredible what, what you can do. And even if you took that video and repurposed it for print, like it's capturing those moments of the interaction between the father and the son that we're like, oh, that's the moment. That's the moment that I saw at the park the other day when I was waiting for my kid and a younger child and their mom came up and it was just so special. And it made me think back to one my. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, you know, remind, well, with certain clients, right? So that might just be one approach. We want to remind them of, hey, these are moments that you've experienced. And if you have, then consider us as one of your partners, right? Consider us in your life, whatever we're trying to sell. So that's just one approach in trying to connect with parents, right? So we're trying to find these moments and remind them of these stories that they have and their, you know, these memories that they've had with these stories we're trying to tell. It seems like a really powerful point of connection if you're able to do that, if you're able to connect with experiences that uh, that your your target audience has had. It is. If you have, I mean, it takes a lot of work and not, you know, that's a 30 second spot, you know, so we're talking like you have some time. It's still quick. But how can you also accomplish that with other tactics, right? So if we have this spot, how does that translate to a print ad or to a social media post or to a radio spot or even to, a you know, some other brand collateral like a brochure or some, you know, booklets on your the company that you're working for. It's really, you know, that is essence, the essence of branding is like you're really presenting yourself in a way that you want your audiences to see you. And so the best way, well, not the best way, but an approach again is to really, you know, resonate with that audience. Like this, this approach won't really work with, you know, someone straight out of high school that has no kids that, you know, so it's a, a certain demographic, like in every, every story, every project has its own approach. And so um, it, at least with me, I've been super fortunate to work with clients and organizations where they, uh, you know, the emotional approach, connecting with their audiences in this way has been successful for these clients. You've covered it a little bit, I think, but uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more in in some of the elements and some of the cru- crucial points in building a brand and uh, how building that brand. I think you uh, you referenced it as uh, a brand capital, and your clients, I'm sure, are very very interested in building their brand around those connection points to a target audience. What's involved in building a brand and what do you have to be really careful about in terms of that branding? 
So branding, you know, a lot goes into branding. There's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of general marketing and audience study. And so for me on the creative side, I just get to take all that information that we receive and ideate concepts that might work for a a project or a job. So there is a lot that goes into branding that I you know, don't know, I'm not a, an expert on, but I do know that it, it definitely takes a team of experts in those areas to build. But I think the biggest, you know, they always, there's this funnel that is pretty popular in marketing. And we often use in our, in, in my work with my part, with my creative partners. And it's just called, I think their conversion funnel or the marketing funnel, you can look it up, but there are different steps. And the first step is awareness, right? So building your awareness. And this could take two campaigns to do, like over years to try and build. Two or, you know, more than two. I'm just saying it's not just one campaign. You really want to put yourself out there to grow that awareness around what who you are and what you're doing. And then that comes into play with the creative side. How are we going to present ourselves? How are we going to connect with this audience? Are we going to, how are we going to set the tone, right? This is really setting the tone for who you are. And then as you move the, the audience through this funnel, you know, you hit more of a consideration phase where so, and this is where the marketing comes in and the different tactics that need to be created. So before it could have, you know, whatever that communication strategy, marketing strategy is, creative will come in and will build to those assets. So if the, some you know marketing person or an account director, a strategist, a brand strategist will come in and say, "We need to build awareness. We need to create these assets. This is how we're going to achieve it." Creative will come in and will ideate and will conceptualize and will romanticize, and then we'll be pulled back, you know, and we'll say, "Oh, we can't do that. We can't do this." So then, as we build that awareness for this client of ours, further along the line, we might have different tactics that move them into more of a consideration phase. So it's like, okay, well, now I know who you are. Let's see. Well, let me think about it. I might need that in my life. And if you're the smarter choice, or if you're the choice I feel more comfortable with, or you're, you resonate with me, maybe it's through social media, right? So our social media might necessarily, might not necessarily be all advertising and promoting this brand, but we'll try and reach them, that audience through, hey, you might be interested in this and we're interested in this. So we're going to talk about it. And then they'll start to consider, hey, this company or this brand, I'm liking what I'm seeing in different areas. And then, you know, we'll we'll really um, have a, a different, different tactics and approach for when we want to convert them. So, right, we're moving them through this manner. First, they have the awareness. Then they're really considering us, what can we do to convert them? And again, different approaches. We have set the brand, but how do we stay true to ourselves and authentic as we move them along and keep them, keep them engaged? So that's quite a bit about what you do in the industry itself and what some of the goals are. I'm always interested in the guests that are are here, hearing their story about how in the world did you find yourself in the middle of, of this industry and doing what you do? And oftentimes I'll go back and, and ask, you know, when you were four or five or six years old, 
Were you interested in developing or were you already developing some of the skills and some of the interests in pursuing uh, a career in uh, as an art director and uh, as a graphic artist? Uh, what's your story in terms of coming into this into this uh, place a, as a career? We oftentimes have people that listen to the podcast uh, to find out more about the industry but also to find out what what's the pathway to that industry and what are some of the things uh, that folks that are very successful in the industry like you are did along the way in order to get into that industry. It was interesting how I became a creative. I had always doodled and drawn and, you know, as a child, every... I. I, I don't know if it's normal, but I think a lot of kids do that, right? We always want to support the arts and support creativity. And my parents and my schooling and, you know, definitely supported that. I think what's great about where I am now is that I am independent. I'm not part of a larger agency. I work for myself, essentially. I have my own clients. And I have an amazing group of partners that we're not technically partners, but we're creative partners and collaborators. And so we'll come together and we'll kind of build a team to help service a client. So if we need, you know, I serve as the art director, creative director, and I can do, and I also execute graphic design. If we need something outside of that, for instance, a writer, then I have amazing writers that I work with and I'll ask them to partner with me on a client. If we need a social media manager, a community manager for a social social media channel, I know people and amazing people who are very well versed in in those specific things, and I'll partner with them to service a client. So that's where I am now. And how I got there, like I said, was you know not it. I was just a kid that doodled. I went away after I graduated from high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I feel like, you know, looking back, I was probably a little sheltered. I went to an all-girls school and it was an amazing experience. I had the best time. I feel like that gave me a lot of confidence and a lot of uh, just different insights and viewpoints uh, personally and in terms of how I present myself, right? So that was great. However, when I went away to school, I was totally socially lost. I was a little bit sheltered. I had never really been away from home, such like most of your listeners, right? And so I went to a very small liberal arts university and it's it's beautiful. It's an amazing school. There was a lot of opportunity there, but it just wasn't for me. And so after about three semesters, I was doing okay, but not really like a lot of people didn't know my path. So I was 19. There was no pressure there, but it was really a conversation I had with my older sister, who is extremely smart and I just amazing. Were you studying graphic arts at that point at that small liberal arts uh, university? I was not studying graphic design at the liberal arts school. It was definitely offered now when I look back. Like there mm-hmm. were there was a graphic artist avenue there was in the art department that I had no idea about. But it wasn't until I had this conversation with my sister and she was just like, listen, you don't necessarily have to know what you want to do, but is this a place that's going to offer you the best opportunity to find it? Yeah. 
And I was like, wow, you know, okay. And she said, come home, enroll at the local uh, state university and finish up your G and try and figure out what we want to do. And then you can go anywhere after that. Just come home temporarily, you know, just figure it out. But do you think that you're in the right spot? And, you know, there's a lot of stigma, right? It's like, oh, I'm coming home. You know, um, I was fortunate enough to go away and now I'm coming home. And are people going to think it's because I got bad grades and all this? And, you know, she's like, who cares? You know, just you have to figure out yourself. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. We're here to support you. My parents were very supportive. They didn't, they were like, go ahead, stay or, you know, but it was just this candid conversation. There was no general agenda behind it. She was just like, I'm your sister. I see maybe you're not, maybe you're able to find who you are there. Came home, started taking my GE, was great. I was in a photography class and the guy sitting next to me was doodling, which I love to doodle too. And he was just doodling the same thing over and over again. I was like, okay, is he crazy? Like, what is he doing? Like, it was just rows and rows of, from where I could sit, like the same thing. So finally, after a couple classes, I was like, hey, what, what are you doing over there? You know, what's that? And he said, I'm a graphic design major. And I said, what's that? And he, he explained it to me. Hey, we, we learn design theory and we learn visual design and we exercise it. We learn how to make, uh, you know, it, at this point, he was a beginning design major. So he was in all the beginning classes. He's like, oh, I could take a square. And I, I can take two squares and, you know, show you how I make you feel motion, just how I place them on a page. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, you're, you're sounding crazy. He's like, no, no, I can take two squares and I can show you um, balance and unbalance and continuation. And I can even make you feel tense. And John, I swear, I was like, okay, this sounds so easy and fun, <laughs> but it sounded <laughs> fun, right? Well, it resonated, it resonated with some of your experience, uh, apparently. Right. And so it sounded e not easy because it was not easy once yeah. I got into it. But it was attractive to me because I was like, well, I'm creative. I doodle all the time. He's like, you would love it. Just try and see if you can, you know, it's a new program. I checked it out. I never left. And I'll tell you right then and there, every single class in the graphic design program at my, at my new school, all A's. Like all A's, so engaged. Yeah, so, I learned so much. It wasn't just about. It was really how can you take two of the simplest elements and present this emotion? Story tell, tell stories, and um, that's where how I I got into it. Just by this guy looking crazy over there, drawing the same thing over and over again. I'm really interested in your uh, in your statement uh, in your reaction to him when he was talking about creativity, and you were saying, "Well, I'm creative," and I'm wondering. When was it that you discovered that you were creative or that you had this creative element to what really engaged you in the activity of drawing, doodling, uh, doing different things, or even sparked the interest in this person who appeared to be maybe at first crazy, but then, you know, was talking about all the wonderful things that you can accomplish through graphic design when was it that you really discovered or you had a you had a notion that that you were creative? Well, John, that's the thing, right? And I think a lot of your listeners, I just didn't know. It didn't come naturally to me that I just thought, yeah, I'm creative. I 
put together little collages. Like, you know, I, I can make models of things and just have fun. It wasn't until my classmate introduced me to the idea that this could be a career that I was like, I can do this and have a degree and make money and be happy doing like, this is a job. Like people pay, <laughs> like, you know, I just didn't put two and two together when I would yeah. see commercials or I would see brochures or billboards or outdoor boards that that was actually something I could do, that it was attainable to, you know, something I could reach and be successful. You know, my definition of success, right? And it, my definition of success is a lot different than others. So I think what the important thing is, is to expose yourself to a lot of, you know, everyone says, oh, find your passion and, you know, do what makes you happy. But it's like, how do you find your passion without experiencing a lot of different things or trying out different avenues or passions, so to speak? So, you know, everyone's like, focus on your passion, focus on your passion. What about the kid that doesn't have one? What about the kid that's just, you know, moving along and hasn't really been exposed to anything different that really connects with them. And so I was just fortunate enough that it was through this general education class, photography class, right? And this kid next to me was doing something that I was just really interested in. Well, Andrea, I've often said that, uh, you know, people are interested in going out and discovering their passion, but oftentimes their passion discovers them through these experiences that they have. And, you know, you're this person sitting next to you said that they were a graphic, they were in a graphic design uh, course. And you're saying, well, what's that? Really, that's kind of your passion discovering you. You use the word success uh, quite a bit in the last uh, little bit of our conversation. I understand and know that your your parents were immigrants uh, to this country and uh, and worked very, very hard. Tell me a little bit about their influence on your ideas about success and the role that they played in uh, in supporting you and and pursuing uh, your dreams around graphic design? So I feel like I am successful professionally. My definition of success is way different from anyone else's perspective. And this is, and, and that's totally fine because it's all relative. But I feel I'm in a spot where I have an entrepreneur. I own my own business in creative, in graphic design and providing creative services. I am ideating, developing, and executing beautiful conceptual ideas. And it's just so fun for me. It's so fun to be around other people who are creative. And so that to me is very fulfilling and successful. But I think that that is defined. My definition of success is probably influenced highly by the fact that I am a child of immigrants. My parents moved to the United States in the 70s. They immigrated here. They were just looking for the American dream. And it's not like they didn't have support from their family. They were both college educated. They had careers already, but they just wanted more. And so they came to the United States. They worked their way up in their careers separately. My mom and dad um, were able to retire early and they were like, hey, what's the next step of the American dream? Let's own our own business. They started a company. They ran it. They were able to work 
from wherever, you know, from home, not have to go into an office, which an office is great. Like, you know, I've had office jobs and I appreciate them and I'm grateful for them, but they were on their own terms. And that to them was, hey, I made it. Look at me. I'm a business. Yeah. I'm an American business owner. And I think growing up around that really defined success differently for me. So for me, I am able to take on the clients and projects that I want to. I am able to influence who I work with, right? And I, you know, saying, hey, I'm a business owner. I have, I've, I made it. And so I think that that work ethic and that kind of the goals that my parents, you know, that was what their goals were, definitely influenced me. I have worked for, um, in an agency, I have worked as an in-house creative director, art director for companies, and I learned so much from them. And I occasionally still go back and I will contract for an agency and work for them, right? But it's all kind of on my own terms. And that me was something that was influenced by my parents. That and, you know, the whole immigrant mentality. It's like the hustle. I will always hustle, right? I I try to have a work-life balance. And I feel like right now I'm doing a better job of it than I did when I first started out. But it's definitely, hey, if you're not able to do this, someone else will. So take every opportunity. Now I take every opportunity, make sure it's beneficial for me and the client. And if it is, then I'll, t- I'll, I'll move forward. And I'm in a spot where luckily, you know, I have jobs and clients where it is beneficial. Like the work is, is exceptional because it's, you know, it's a good fit. Not every job is going to be a good fit. Not every project is. And you'll get to that. You'll get to that phase in your career when you know. So at the beginning, I was just doing whatever I could to learn to practice, to get that experience. And I think that's not, it's not abnormal, but I definitely think that was influenced by the fact that my parents had to come here and kind of prove themselves. And I think a lot of people need to prove themselves and want to, but I think especially with my parents, it was that um, was given to me by my parents. That's great. Your uh, your client list is super impressive and it kind of in the context of what was a learning curve in really creating your own business space, your client uh, roster includes uh, G- the Goodwill, CalKids, an international airport, and a, a collection of uh, restaurants and um and eateries, and I, I don't think that even really scratches the surface in terms of your roster list. But what what was what was a learning curve like in building that business, where you have this really impressive uh, client list? I think you were even uh, played a significant role in the um, in the railroad museum in Sacramento, as well. So, uh, one of our favorite places when our kids were growing up. You know, I've been super fortunate to work with the partners and the companies that I have. And a lot of those clients that you mentioned are companies that I, I worked with when I was contracting for another agency. And so there's agency work and then there's my own um, company's work. But what's great about doing both, going to work for an agency temporarily or on a contract, is that you are exposed to these larger projects and these fun projects and themes that might interest you. But then what's also great about 
working with an agency is that you get to see what their best practices are in terms of running things. And I think that was even more beneficial to me than working with these larger clients, Mm. right? I got to see, oh, wow, they're doing it this way. And I'm not even talking about, you know, the design servicing. I'm talking about, wow, this is how they communicate with with each other. This is the process of production that they exercise and practice versus what I've been doing. So I might adopt practices from agencies that I work with, not stealing anything crazy, but just, you know, when you're working independently, it's hard to, you know, keep up with what, what the technology brings. So for instance, the technology of just communicating with your partners. So I think that has been super helpful in terms of working with agency partners. But yeah, I've been lucky enough to be exposed to a wealth of projects and clients that sometimes I forget. I'm like, oh yeah, I did that. Or, oh yeah, that was a good one too, right? So it's always like really fun to look back and see what have I done, but I'm always looking forward. I'm always looking forward and going, what did we do that time? What worked? What didn't work? What can we take and make the next job better and more fluid, like, flu, you know, just smooth. What, how can we take what we did last time and make the next one smoother? Well, let's look back and then look forward a little bit. Uh, as you think about the projects that you've worked on, is there a favorite one that comes to mind? A favorite project looking back that you really are very, very proud of? It's hard to look back at my work and choose one or two favorites. When I look back, I, there's more than just the end result, right? It's more than just the campaign that was produced. To me, it was the people I worked with, Mm -hmm. right? Like the story of how that was created. It was interactions with our clients. It was interactions with each other. It was And then it was the final result. So there are things that maybe look beautiful and won awards, but boy, was it hard to get to. And then there are things that were smaller campaigns and smaller budgets, but geez, that was so fun what we were able to do. And so I think it really just depends. Like, so my looking back on what I've been able to accomplish and what I'm most proud about or what my favorite was, it really just, it depends, you know, what we're talking about. Well, Andrea, our time is just about up. Believe it or not, it seemed like it was just a flash here in our conversation. And I want to end our our conversation here with a question that I ask on almost every episode, and that is, what is the future groove for Andrea as she uh, pursues what she is hoping uh, to accomplish in the next few years? Well, John, I think the future groove for me in the next couple of years is continuing to grow, continuing to learn from everything that I do, and to be, honestly, to be more grateful. So I don't know if that really answered, you know, the industry question of what my future groove was, but personally, that's what I'd like to do professionally. I'd like to continue to learn, continue to grow, and continue to be grateful because I am. Thank you so much, Andrea, for being 
on the Future Groove uh, today and all the best to you. Thank you, John. Thank you for joining us today on the Future Groove podcast. You can find the show notes for this and other episodes on the Future Groove website by connecting to futuregroove.com. You'll also find links to organizations and resources referenced in today's conversation. You can contact us through the website or by emailing us. Our email address is john at futuregroove.com. We are especially grateful for our executive producer, Kelly Cooper, and our pre- and post-production engineer and studio master, Nicholas Chamberlain, at Every Word Media. Until next time, I'm John Harris wishing you all the best in finding your future groove.